This AutoConverse podcast is brought to you by Ask Auto. With Ask Auto, you can get help finding the best car for you and your family, communicate with dealers, list your vehicle for sale, and get a free vehicle market report, all while protecting your privacy with our free Shopper Shield. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com slash askauto. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash askauto, O-T-T-O. And thank you. But let me give you the gist of what I think you should think about when you're trying to think about what Clubhouse is. Uh, I want you to imagine that something like a Spotify podcasting site um, has has met up with a Kickstarter and they have a baby. And all the while that's happening somewhere else in the world, um, LinkedIn and Snapchat hook up and they have a baby. And then those two babies at some point in the future hooked up and had a baby. So it's like, it's like, it's, it's this creative, creative, like crazy world where you have this concept of podcasting, but it's like interrupted podcasting because it's like you have a public forum podcast. So you're able to, you know, speak to your audience, people raise their hand, you say, what do you got to say? And all of a sudden you're interacting with your audience, moving people in and out of the audience all the time, different moderators doing things. So you got this kind of like interactive podcast concept. That was Jonathan Dawson from Cellcology explaining the audio drop-in app Clubhouse, which recently found its way into the automotive marketing community. John was one of several people in the panel last week on the Mobility Tech and Connectivity show discussing the app. It was a great conversation, but we're not going to be sharing that conversation here, although you will be able to get it on the Dealer Talk podcast. As I explained last week, some portions of the live show will be featured here on this podcast, while others that are more dealer-focused will be featured on the Dealer Talk podcast. So be sure you're subscribed there as well if you want dealership-specific information from the live show. Now back to John's clip. One thing John said that really caught my attention was when he started explaining why Clubhouse is fresh and needed for people who feel let down by social media or struggling to connect. What attracts me to it, of course, is nuance, right? It's new. I think psychologically, because that's my focus is psychology. I think that we've spent a year kind of locked up, a year deprived from intimacy of relationship, a year deprived from connection. And you're put in this environment and there's something about tonality of voice that communicates empathy and authenticity or passion or conviction in a unique way that Facebook as a platform for communication has robbed us of. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get into a Facebook thread with people and just read a thread and you like, see the way people are like mean and vicious and cruel and heartless. And and you just know that if those two same people were in a room together being watched, they would have never acted the way they did. So there's a humanity to the way people are talking to each other. Now, this is an intriguing viewpoint. I don't disagree with John. I've been shifting away from social media over the last few years, especially this past year after seeing how big tech companies such as Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Twitter, YouTube have all overexerted their power and influence, not just on us, but in society and in our politics. That being said, I don't see Clubhouse as being any different. 
Sure, it's a great novel app. It's all the rage right now. But like all bright, shiny objects, that luster will fade away. And its users, who are the real product, will be the ones who pay the price for its success and eventually the app maker's power and influence over time as the app evolves. So again, head on over to the Dealer Talk podcast in a few days to catch the bulk of that conversation. In the meantime, stay tuned to this episode as we are about to play for you my recent conversation with Car Gurus, who joined us on the show last month to talk about the company's most recent automotive consumer sentiment study. From Autoburst Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Autoconverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I'm Ryan Girardi. Great to be here with you, everybody. Last fall, CarGurus released its COVID-19 sentiment study, How the Pandemic Impacted Automotive Sentiment in 2020, which examines how auto shoppers have responded to the COVID-19 pandemic. The November research benchmarks and compares the previous CarGurus studies that were run in both April and June, and it explores topics such as vehicle inventory, affordability, digital ride and ride sharing, and public transit. Here are the highlights from that conversation with CarGuru's Consumer Insights Analyst, Ali Chapman. The focus of the conversation was on how the study was performed over time and what the key takeaways were from the study. Enjoy. As you said, I think you did a great job setting the scene on um, kind of how the, the survey was conducted. Um, most importantly, that it was a benchmark study. So as you said, most recently in November, um, after the election, so kind of like a fall look, um, but we also fielded it in June and in April. Um, and what really struck me as the most surprising thing is, um, you know, naturally when we do surveys like these, you tend to see you know, trends develop over time. Um, but it really struck me that the three of those surveys had a lot of consistency throughout them, despite the fact that they were at, I think, really different moments of the pandemic. Um, so if we think about that first one in April, that was when we had we were just in lockdown. Um, you know, it was clear that there was going to be real impact and repercussions from this pandemic on car buyers. So that's why we decided to go ahead with the study. Um, and then the second time we did it was in June. The lockdowns had been lifted at that point, kind of heading into those summer months. Um, and then lastly, again, in November, post-election, looking towards those winter months. So three really different moments in the pandemic. Um, for me, it's kind of like, going down memory lane, trying to remember where we were at, like what we were feeling in those moments. Um, but despite that, saw a ton of consistency in metrics like openness to buying online, um, things like affordability concerns traveled throughout the pandemic, um, but also some good news. Created demand was something that was consistent throughout. So really um, that consistency to me was really surprising, I thought. It is, then you're kind of referring to this chart here, the cons that 
pretty much twice as many people that responded to the survey through all three times exceeded the benchmark that you had from before of 35%. Um, and, and I don't think any, I don't think there's a lot of surprise when it's funny, like you said, looking back, right. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, it was like a blurry, crazy, probably six months there. And my memory of it was half the dealers, you know, could sell cars, half couldn't. And that was changing on an almost daily basis. You know, dealers were kicking ad spends and, you know, doing layoffs and furloughs. But through it all, every conversation I had, I'm like, I'm like, so are people still shopping? People still want to buy? And it's like, yeah, people, the Mm -hmm. demand just never went away. And of course, consumers were kind of forced uh, to do it. Everyone was forced to, to do it online. Last week, we got into digital uh, remote retailing uh, with uh, Matt Weinberg at Modal. And, um, you know, and, and he attested the same thing. It's like the, the, the pandemic hit and it was like suddenly everybody had to bring on the digital retailing widgets and integrations into their sites for that. Totally. And it really was just um, from the eyes of the consumer, just an eye opener, right? Like people had been just getting used to uh, buying online in ways that they, they hadn't before. Things like um, even like online groceries, things like that outside of car shopping, people were kind of like picking up these habits for the first time. And so, um, like you said, so in kind of pre-pandemic, we saw about a third of people said they were open to buying online. And then in April, that shot up to 61% saying they were open to the idea. And then that never faltered since, despite the fact that we've um, opened since. So, um, you know, dealers were quick. And I think that's really um, has been a theme too throughout the the pandemic is how uh, quick dealers have been to adapt and meet those shopper expectations. Um, But I think it'll be interesting thinking about, you know, how has that impacted shoppers expectations in the long term going forward? These questions here, like home delivery and curbside pickup in automotive, especially in automotive, these weren't, I, these weren't things that we did. So is it fair to say there were no benchmark? There was no benchmark data for some of these questions. They, they kind of were COVID related questions. Uh, that's a good question. So um, we actually have kind of uh, previously asked about digital retail, but nothing as specific as home delivery and curbside pickup. Um, but we we did ask things like openness to buying online before, so we can see how that has changed as a result of the, the pandemic. Actually, um, it was really interesting timing. Uh, just weeks before the pandemic really impacted the, um, the US economy, we were in the middle of fielding our annual path to purchase study. Um, it's this really big study we do every year. And so um, we've actually been able to use that as really a pre-pandemic look for some of these things to see how, um, yeah, that movement and openness to buying online, but also preference as well. Okay. Help us understand how we're collecting the data because obviously it sounds like the team has an ongoing collection mechanism Is that for people visiting on the site, on the web, on their phone? Is it both? Is it email? Can you explain that process a little bit? Yeah, so um, we're always conducting shopper research in a couple different ways, uh, most commonly by online surveys. 
So um, for things like this COVID-19 pandemic, we um, yeah, hosted it online and sent it out not to our own site users, but um, we actually uh, source respondents through a panel provider so that they're completely unbiased. Um, and we do the same kind of throughout the year. We field these as, as uh, benchmarking studies. So people are hitting the site, you're getting it on their phone too, and there's just pop-ups or some sort of call to action. They're, you're asking them to fill out these yeah. surveys. Will people anyone fill it out? In. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Um, so people have opted into the survey. It's through a third panel provider. Um, so we have a couple like screening questions up front to make sure that they're the right audience that we want to talk to. Um, so we asked them for this study in particular, we wanted people to um, who had had intentions to buy a car either in 2020 or in 2021. So really capturing either those who, who did buy during the pandemic or those who wanted to, but ultimately had to delay because of something like either financial stress due to the pandemic or um, safety concerns and, and things like that. So we kind of set up the screener so it, it's an audience that we want to talk to. Um, and then we also make sure that it's representative of the US by asking them things like age, gender, income, region, um, making sure it's balanced so that we're, we're truly painting a picture of, of US car buyers. Interesting. There was yeah. a question down okay. here. I'm looking for it. I, I couldn't highlight it about normal activity. Do you know where that is? In here? Yeah, so um, end, we asked about normal activity in regard to the ride sharing and public transportation piece that I think was really interesting. Let me go down there. That's the other thing that caught my eye was that you were reporting, grabbing data on public transportation. And I was curious as to why. What's car gurus play in that arena? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's an explicit play there, but other than just understanding the future of mobility and how that might change demand. Um, and so, yeah, we wanted to, to be sure to touch on that. Um, you know, actually, in our last year's report, we were studying millennials a lot um, and talking about this idea that millennials often get a bad rap as being very anti-car. Um, you know, there's a stereotype that they're very eco-friendly and live in cities. So um, I think Uber and Lyft really were at one point talked about as, you know, for millennials, that might be a solution instead of, of owning a car. Um, even though we were seeing very little evidence of that, we wanted to see if that was a trend. Um, so we've touched on that subject before in recent studies, and we really didn't see a lot of evidence to support it. Um, but it's true, ride sharing had become massive. Um, according to our survey, I think a little less than half of respondents said they had used the service before. Um, and of course, during the pandemic, they suffered a massive hit in their user base. Um, most recently in November, we saw that among our respondents, about a third said of, of people who previously used it, said they either plan to decrease or just stop using it entirely going forward. Um, and that was where the once normal activity returns uh, phrasing came from. Yeah, whenever I hear that that phrase, when things go back to normal, I, I just roll my eyes. I'm like, man, normal is being redefined. Totally. Redefined. So to me, there is no, there, <laughs> there's no normal anymore. But 
I think that's a great thing to to keep a, a pulse on is is the ride the ride sharing. You know, looking back to just a year ago, in fact, it was at NADA a year ago um, in February. Yeah, February uh, second week of February. I was uh, I had facilitated a panel discussion at Uber's at Uber's booth, and you know ride sharing as a consumer product between Uber and Lyft and whatnot, you know it was just exploding, and then even on on the business side it was really starting to pick up and gain traction, and then it was like poof, like don't get <laughs> like you can't get in the can't get in the ride share anymore. Um, so let's look at the the data here. I expect to use them more. So that did go up. That's good. Yeah, I I think that part is really interesting. We do see the the majority of people saying that they're um, either going to stay or, or kind of stay the same or decrease. But there is, like you said, since April, a, more, a higher share of people saying they're actually going to use their services more once things return to normal, whatever that normal is, and so. It could be really interesting for Uber and Lyft. I could imagine that, you know, they might have suffered this massive loss in audience base, but going forward, they might have a more loyal and more frequent user base. Um, people who whose, you know, commutes or, or whatnot have been really disrupted by the pandemic. You could see there actually being a need for more of the services. Yeah. And even down here, I don't expect to use them at all. That just stayed flat. So what that tell what that you could conclude that about 10% of the people in the car gurus ecosystem just aren't, aren't going to use rideshare, which, you know, you could maybe conclude that 90%, you know, 90% of people uh, are likely to. Um, well, good stuff. I think a lot of companies came out early on with, uh, with COVID studies like this. Uh, this is the third one from car gurus. And I, I think that is a little bit unprecedented, meaning most companies haven't been able to uh, benchmark and contrast the data, you know, through three 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 studies in the in a year cycle, but even going back to the to the data you had before that. So, how about moving forward? I I, I imagine is are there plans to continue releasing the similar type of information? Yeah, totally. So we are in the midst of planning our 2021 uh, survey planning for the year. And so um, definitely planning to do some COVID related topics, hoping that it won't dominate the news as much this year. Um, but we will definitely keep a tab on how this continues to evolve shopper behavior. So um, you can definitely, like you said, I think you shared a link to the report. Mm -hmm. um, on your blog, you can also find it on the dealer resource center at Cargurus. If you just Google that, um, we host all of our research there. If sure. anyone's interested. Uh, well, cool. And I, I meant to ask one final question, um, about how many people would you say are, uh, have been surveyed, not just through this third piece, but collectively over the past year around this study, how do we, about how many people are we talking about? Yeah, so with this study in particular, it was over 2,000. And then with that initial really big one that I mentioned that we did right before the pandemic, that was 3,000. So okay. um, yeah, we're in touch with a lot of shoppers. Okay. All right. Well, this is good stuff. Ali Chapman, everyone, Consumer Insights at Car Gurus, and we're looking at their uh, uh, third uh, study release of the year of how the uh, COVID pandemic uh, uh 
impacted the automotive buying sentiment. Ali, thank you so much for joining us today, and I hope you have a great evening. Thanks for having me. Again, that was Ali Chapman, Consumer Insights Analyst with Car Gurus, talking with us about their latest automotive consumer sentiment study. Now, before we wrap things up, be sure to head over to autoconverse.com and get yourself subscribed to the blog. By doing so, you'll be able to receive email alerts with details about upcoming shows such as guests, panel discussions, and special announcements. This puts you on the forefront of everything we have going on. You can also text the keyword AUTOCONVERSE to 64600 and have the live show sent to your phone each week via SMS. This week we have Benjamin Dykstra coming on to the show from dealershiplife.org to talk with us about his recent family business road trip during the pandemic. And we also have Eric Brown from Ask Auto joining us on the Use Car panel. Eric and I have nearly a 10-year history together in the business, and you will not want to miss hearing Eric talk about the shopper-dealer experience. This podcast episode is brought to you by Ask Auto, who we recently partnered with to help bring auto shoppers a new tool for connecting with dealers and protecting their privacy. With Ask Auto, you can get help finding the best car for you and your family, communicate with dealers, list your vehicle for sale, and get a free vehicle market report, all while protecting your privacy with our free shopper shield. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com forward slash askauto. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash askauto, O-T-T-O. And thank you. This is Audiburst Media.